This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Taft. At Taft, we play to win. Taft's Municipal Practice Group offers our clients a one-stop shop for all their city or town needs. From abatements to zoning, Taft has the experience and capability to achieve the best outcome for your city or town. Constructed a little differently, Taft has built its team with former corporation counsel and city attorneys. We not only understand the legal issue, but are also finally in tune with the challenges facing our local communities. Whether it be a budgetary challenge or political hurdle, we understand because we've been there and we're ready to put our experience to work for you. Taft is a modern, progressive firm and is the trusted advisor to many municipalities. Taft, playing to win and a proud partner of AIM. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. This is Matt Greller, CEO of AIM. Welcome to the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Join us as we share ways our municipalities are positioning themselves for the future, thought-provoking interviews with state and local leaders, and more. Thanks for listening as we tell the municipal story. Welcome to this episode of AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. This is Chelsea Schneider with AIM. And today I'm with Lindsay Moss, AIM Government Affairs Officer and Legislative Counsel. Thanks for being on the podcast, Lindsay. Thanks, Chelsea. Glad to be here. Great. So we are going to be looking ahead to the 2020 legislative session that's coming up quickly in January. So it's going to be a short legislative session, which means lawmakers won't be doing the big haul of writing a new two-year budget. But we've got a bit of a unique dynamic going on in the House with a changing of the guard as House Speaker Brian Bosma prepares to retire. So I wanted to kick off the podcast discussing how will that shift in State House leadership, how that might impact session and also municipal issues overall. Usually Organization Day, which is kind of the official kickoff of session, usually it's a pretty ceremonial day. But this year, there were big changes that were announced when Speaker Bosma announced his decision that he wouldn't be running again, but that he would be staying on for one more session as Speaker, but that the plan was to elect a Speaker-elect to allow that person to kind of learn the ropes one last year under his leadership. So Representative Houston, who was co-chairing the House Ways and Means Committee last year and who we worked with really closely on a number of issues last year, has been selected by the caucus as the new speaker-elect. So starting 2021 session, he'll be officially the Speaker of the House. Obviously, Speaker Bosma has been a really strong leader and a presence at the State House for a really long time. So this is a huge deal and will be a huge shift in the House, especially Um, when we consider that the Senate is under new leadership too. Um, As recently as last year, this will be the second year where the Senate's leadership team will be in place too. So lots of big changes at the State House, but Representative Houston um, is great to work with and we look forward to uh, continuing that work with him. 
Great. So with those changes, kind of going to um, what we do every year at the State House, proposing a series of operational changes. So basically non-controversial items designed to make local governments operate more efficiently. So this is in addition to our longer term legislative initiatives that we'll get to later on in the podcast. So what can municipal members expect this year from our operational agenda? Yeah, so as you mentioned, we do every year have a bill where we try to put several items into one bill and we call it the government efficiency bill. Nothing in that bill is intended to be controversial. It truly is just kind of clean up changes to um, either resolve contradictions in code or just otherwise make local governments operate more smoothly and more efficiently. This year, Representative Manning will be carrying our government efficiency bill. It has um, tended to start in the House the last couple of years. So it contains three items right now. One is to clarify a bidding procedure when two abutting landowners are bidding on the same um, piece of property. There's just some inconsistencies there and some unfairness that we want to try to correct. There's also language in that bill that's intended to improve communication between local units anytime a county council or a lit council is talking about changing the use of a local income tax or increasing or decreasing a rate. They're already required to notify all of the underlying units when they're considering these changes, but we want to make sure that those underlying units are put on clear notice that they need to look at that proposal and see whether this proposed change would impact their ability to repay you know, any bonds or leases um, that, are pay, that are payable from a local income tax. So just um, ensuring that those changes, the consequences of those changes are really explored by the underlying units before the change is officially made. There's also language in uh, that bill that would allow city and town court clerks to keep really small overpayments as an administrative fee. Right now, county clerks are already allowed to keep a $3 administrative fee when there has been an overpayment. We just want to allow that same ability for city and town court clerks. So we don't anticipate that there will be any pushback to these changes, and we look forward to working with Representative Manning on this, who is a, is a pretty new legislator, but an up-and-comer, and, and we're excited to work with him on this. So now let's move on to our longer-term issues. One is our investment hubs proposal. I'm sure we have a lot of new municipal members listening to this podcast. Lindsay, can you give us a basic rundown of what an investment hub is? The investment hubs proposal is an idea that we've been working on for about the last two years where, you know, we've seen the success from the areas that were awarded the regional cities dollars. We've seen how important it is for regions and the local units and the local governments within a region, how important it is for them to collaborate and work together on critical projects um, that are really intended to make Indiana's communities great places to work, live, and play. You know, we're facing some stagnant population growth that's not projected to change and when we compare Indiana's regions to the regions throughout the country that we know we're competing with for that critical talent, um, we know that we're 
not doing as well as maybe we could be doing if we had resources to invest more strategically in the types of quality of place um, investments that we know are so critical to keeping our population here and attracting others to come. So what the investment hubs legislation does is it takes the statute that was used for the regional cities initiative where local governments formed a regional development authority to deploy the regional cities dollars that were awarded by the state. We know that there's not going to be another round of regional cities money um, that's awarded to regions. That was funded by a tax amnesty program that is probably a once in maybe every 10 year opportunity. And fiscal leaders have been pretty clear with us and other stakeholders that if we want to continue these sorts of regional efforts and put real money behind these regional efforts, it's going to have to be a locally driven plan with local revenue. So that's what our proposal um, does. It allows members of regional development authorities to raise a new local income tax, a new local sales tax, or a new food and beverage tax. and. 50% of that revenue could be kept in the individual members' communities for you know, general fund purposes because we do know that local governments have a revenue problem. But the other 50% would be put into a regional pot of money to fund capital projects with some sort of regional significance in that area. Tell me more about the next steps on hubs and what we can expect. Yeah, so last year we were really excited to see the bill pass the House. Representative Houston was the author of that legislation, and he was a really strong leader to push it through the House. It was pretty late in session when it was amended into a Senate bill in the second half of session, so it was a little bit late by the time the Senate saw the language for the first time, although you know we had been very widely discussing the proposal. Um, and getting a lot of great feedback from legislators on both sides um, in the House and the Senate and, and stakeholders. But it was late in the session when it got back to the Senate and it was ultimately turned into an interim study committee, which with any proposal that is this big and detailed, it's really common that a proposal like this would take more than one session. As we head into 2020, the proposal will start in the Senate this time and Senator Holdman, who chairs the Senate Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee, will be carrying the bill for us this year. He also chaired the interim study committee when this was discussed. So we're excited to work with him, and it's pretty likely that the bill will be assigned to his committee this year. So early on in session, we'll be talking really extensively with all of the members of that committee in hopes that the bill does move this year and passes the Senate and then on to the House. So AIM is really focused on grassroots advocacy, cultivating strong relationships between Arena Sewell members and their state lawmakers. Why is it important for members to stay engaged during session and what are some ways they can go about that? Every legislative session, we track about half of the bills that are introduced and I would say in a short session, there's probably at least a dozen bills that we're actively talking with lawmakers about because it has some sort of a significant impact on local government, some good, some bad. And when local 
elected officials have good relationships with their legislators and are talking often with their legislators about the bills that do have a significant impact on cities and towns. It makes our job at the State House so much easier because they are feeling the pressure of understanding that their local elected officials are watching um, and being held accountable for the decisions that they make in Indianapolis. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. I wanted to just give some notes um, before we wrap up this podcast. Lindsay and our government affairs team did a webinar in December giving some more highlights about what you can expect in the 2020 legislative session. Also, AIM is hosting a legislative reception in February, February 12th, and that would be a great event to go to if you'd like to connect with what's occurring in session and also your local lawmaker. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Taft.